Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. For today's podcast, we're going to be taking a deep dive into a London-listed company in the Challenger Energy Group. We're going to be discussing the recent progress at their projects, as well as providing a solid overview of the business. And to do that, we're very kindly joined by the CEO, Ethan Uliel, and the Managing Director of Uruguay, Randy Hiscock. Randy and Ethan, very much welcome you to the podcast. Hello. Thanks for having us. Good day. So we're going to be looking in detail at some of the projects, but I think a good place to start would be, if you may, uh, providing a, an overview of Challenger Energy Group, please. Sure. So uh, so this is Eitan, the CEO. Um, anyone listening, you'll be able to distinguish between me and Randy. I have the Australian accent. He has the Canadian accent. Um, <laughs> So yeah, Challenger Energy, we're a, a junior E&P company listed on the AIM. Um, we have a focus on the Caribbean and Latin America. We have assets in several jurisdictions, uh, Uruguay and the Bahamas, where they're high impact offshore assets. And then we have onshore assets in Trinidad and Suriname. In Trinidad, a small uh, producing business already in production and in Suriname, a, a sort of a, an early stage appraisal project. So uh, I'm happy to talk more about each of those as we go. But really, the reason we're here and the reason we're out talking to people um, about the company is that there's been some real exciting progress on our asset in Uruguay, which is really as offshore exploration assets go, this is a world-class frontier exploration opportunity. Um, we've done some really interesting uh, technical work in the last uh, four or five months that have really moved that asset forward in a big way. Uh, and that's what we'd like uh, to get across to the market to explain to people and to shareholders and those who follow the company. Thank you very much. So as you mentioned, their focus is very much on Uruguay at the moment and, and the license that you hold there. Um, I mean, regular listeners to the podcast will be aware that we, we spoke with Challenger I think probably a couple of years ago now. So things have, have obviously changed and, and progressed. So it would be good to get a bit of background, please, on how you came to hold the, the license in, in Uruguay and what in particular was attractive about that license. Okay, so uh, you mentioned two years ago, people who followed the company for a while will know that until about two years ago, the main focus of the company was the offshore exploration licenses we had in the Bahamas. Uh, we had very high hopes for those. As it turned out, we went and did exactly what we said we would do, which is we pulled together the financing and the operating capability and we drilled a big, complicated, globally significant uh, offshore well in uh, in early uh, 2020 there. Um, uh, sorry, uh, early 2021. That didn't uh, totally work out as we wanted. Uh, it wasn't the commercial discovery we had hoped. And the Bahamas is still part of our portfolio and will will continue to work there as, as time progresses. In the course of that, in early 2020, at the very beginning of the pandemic, uh, Randy came to me one day and said, hey, there's this fantastic license in Uruguay. Um, I've had my eye on it for a while. 
in ordinary circumstances, not something a little company like us could, could, could contemplate. But we're in the beginning of the pandemic. Nobody's paying attention. Everyone's in shutdown mode. None of the logical people who, will, who should be applying for this license will. So why don't we get it together and make a license application? Um, long story, but ultimately we submitted an application and in May of 2020, we were awarded the license. And at that period, at that point in time, we saw it as a really interesting long-term option, if you like. We acquired the license on a very, very minimal work program commitment with an initial four-year period in which to do that work. And so we thought, okay, it's very technically interesting. It's big, it's offshore, reasonably shallow waters. We knew that there was at least one uh, big and, uh, and exciting prospect on the license at the time. And so we, um, so we thought, right, we'll pick this license up and, and see how it goes. Um, and so that, that's how we got into it. What really changed everything there in a big way is that in early 2022, Wildcat Exploration Wells drilled by Total Energy and Shell in Namibia both came in as huge discoveries. And for reasons I guess Randy can explain later, the, uh, the uh, basins in Uruguay and northern Argentina are the geological mirrors of those in Namibia and uh, northern South Africa. And the successes in Namibia essentially de-risked uh, Uruguay and is what set off a huge amount of interest and excitement around our license. So I think so. some of the excitement stems from your, your, your guidance that you, you see a potential one to two billion barrels potentially to be recovered in, in Uruguay. And obviously, uh, listeners that want some more details, do go back and, and have a look at uh, Challenger's uh, recent RNSs. But it'd be good to get some more details about the work that you've done so far to derive that potential one to two point billion barrels of, of oil, because that's a big number. It is. And I'll hand over to Randy for this one, because he's really been the, uh, the guy in charge of the work program in Uruguay. So, so Randy, over to you. Yeah, thanks, Ita. Yeah, we, uh, we embarked, Challenger embarked upon a, a fairly standard de-risking program for an offshore frontier playing basin. We first took the old historic uh, seismic data that was there, reprocessed that in short order over the last six months. And uh, we've mapped and interpreted that data and uh, with major improvement in it because of new technology that was applied in the reprocessing. And we also looked at um, doing a fairly standard industry technique called AVO or amplitude versus offset. And what that does is it allows us to potentially indicate reservoirs and, and or hydrocarbon presence. Uh, so it's through these two methods that we've largely been able to identify now three major prospects, um, one of which we had originally on our list, two as a result of this new work. And we're in that, uh, I would say, 1.5 to 2 billion kind of P-mean, P-50, we call it, sort of, sort of median range estimate, um, and upwards of uh, over 4 billion barrels in terms of uh, the upside case. So it's largely through a period or a program of, of technical de-risking, driven primarily by seismic, but uh, also not entirely. We also have some uh, geochemical work studies that we've done to augment the uh, 
our understanding of the block. And these have also uh, contributed quite, uh, you know, increased our confidence in the, the overall expertise potential of it. You've obviously done done the early works then, and I think investors will be very interested to know about what's to come, what's on the immediate horizon in terms of uh, technical work. So it'll be good to get an idea of, of what people could expect over the next six to 12 months from the Uruguay assets. Maybe I'll address the technical first and ATAG can, can bring the uh, full picture in. So obviously, NEX is, is largely commercially driven where we're looking to uh, secure a partner or two to help fund the, the 3D. And 3D, when I say 3D, I mean 3D seismic acquisition. Um, there are There is no uh, 3D on this block per se. Uh, so it's a big opportunity for us. And what this data does, as opposed to the existing data set, is that it provides a lot of clarity and data resolution. So we're able to pinpoint the well locations, which we, uh, we would down the line. And it also takes these initial prospects that we've mapped from this from the 2D and be able to refine those and hopefully, um, again, increase our confidence and de-risk these in the process as well. So that's primarily the technical aspects of it. Um, commercially, I'll hand over to ATAN to talk about next steps. Yeah, Randy alluded to the fact that, uh, you know, once we tie a bow around all the technical work we've been doing very recently. So we have a sort of formal volumetric assessment, which is almost complete, and we have a few things going on. But the the big technical next step is 3D seismic acquisition, which uh, we're hoping uh, is something that can happen in early 2024. Uh, that has a, uh, a fairly big price tag on it, uh, for which we want a partner. And, uh, and in order to secure a partner, we've initiated a farm out process uh, and, and that's uh, kicked off already. Uh, we're, you know, these things take a bit of time. So we're looking to get a, a partner in by the end of this year, uh, you know, several partners, uh, large industry players who can fund the cost of that 3D seismic acquisition and then help us take this block forward uh, into what will come after that, which is the drilling of wells. I'm going to ask a question now, and it may be commercially sensitive, but I think it'll be good to get your your input on this in terms of the the, the type of people that you've that you've been speaking to, who who's shown interest, and the general reaction that, that you've had from potential partners so far. Well, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to name names, but uh, we we've appointed an advisor, and we've been out to talk to. Uh, a large number of companies, and we've had very strong interest. We've had multiple companies uh, sign up to NDAs and register to participate in the process. Uh, we have a data room uh, that is uh, shortly going to open and, uh, and which these companies will have access to, to data. And, uh, you know, and, and it's a fairly standard industry process. But what I can tell you is, and Randy, uh, who's been around in the industry even longer than me, um, can 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 have his say too, but you know this is really uh, hot property. We have seen in the last twelve months many majors enter Uruguay and pick up all the surrounding acreage around us. We've seen others register to participate and not uh, succeed in getting licenses. We've seen an uptick in activity in in northern Argentina. We've seen a ton of activity going on across the Atlantic in Namibia. Um, so, so there's plenty of interest. And it's our job really to uh, take that interest 
and turn it into a deal by the end of the year. Uh, Randy, anything you want to add to that? Yeah, you know, it's uh, reminiscent to uh, another area, a very hot region along the South American margin. It reminds me of Guyana and Suriname uh, three or four or five years ago before the discoveries were made in Lisa and Starbrook by Exxon and later by Total. It's got that same kind of feel to it. I mean, we were, we were, I guess, good and lucky that we were first mover. We got into Uruguay in 2020, as Atan alluded to, during the uh, COVID, which maybe called the uh, competition a bit. But this has been on our radar, this block, particularly for a while. So it has that kind of feel to it. And uh, rarely do you get into these processes where you see companies uh, just proactively you know, approaching you to um, to have a look at the data and, and conduct their own due diligence. Thank you. So let's now move on, if we may, and look at the rest of the business, because, of course, it's not just Uruguay. Uh, you have other assets, as you outlined at the beginning of the podcast. So, I mean, let's start off with Trinidad's. You've got a production business there. How's that going? What does that look like at the moment? Uh, it's going okay. I mean, uh, we picked up this business in August 2020. We acquired it again during the pandemic. At the time we acquired it, it was uh, quite messy, uh, if I have to be honest about it. Probably the reality turned out to be far messier than we thought it would be. But we've worked hard over the last couple of years and really cleaned it up. So we've sold a couple of non-core assets. We've you know, really honed the staff base. We've invested in the fields. We focused on getting the production very stable um, and and really reining in the costs. And, and where we are at the moment is we have a business of two parts. We have two core producing assets, so Goudron and, and Innes Trinity, two fields in the eastern, southeastern part of Trinidad. And they are producing about 85, 90% of our production. Uh, they produce stably, they're operating well, and we've got the business to a point where it's break-even, marginally profitable, um, and, you know, the rest of the portfolio is what we might call non-core, which we're trying to rationalise, sell, come up with clever ways of moving that forward. So, so the business as it stands is small but operating well, and, uh, and really uh, we're at a point now where we have a few business development opportunities in the works, uh, which I hope over the next six months will materialize. And so we can now start to grow that business in a way where, you know, the, the cost base of that business is pretty much fixed. So from where we are today, anything we can do to add production or add income to the business uh, should go straight to the bottom line. And so we, we, we're quite hopeful that over the next six months, that business will start to really um progress in a, in a way that, that will be, you know, pleasing to us and, and hopefully pleasing to our shareholders. Yes, because one thing that's, that strikes me, which is particularly interesting about Challenger, is you have the production there, you, you have cash flows, and you mentioned there that it's, it's getting towards break-even and, and even being profitable. And then you have, you have Uruguay, which has that huge potential for future production, bringing in a partner and, and all of the potential benefits that comes with that. But looking at the share price, it's it's fairly low at the moment. Now, um, I'd like to get your views on this. Now, of course, you'll be fairly limited in, in some respects on what you what you can actually say. But in terms of you know where the share price is now and where you see the fair value of of, of the assets, 
I mean, what what do you see as a catalyst to start moving the share price now from where it is up to to where you feel would be fair value? Well, I mean, so you would expect the CEO of a company to say this, but I, I genuinely believe we're very undervalued at the moment. Um, I've also put my money where my mouth is. I mean, I've acquired shares in this company. I represent about 7% of the register and a good number of the larger shareholders are investors I've brought into the company, people I've known from before from Australia, you know, heavy hitting resource and energy market investors. So I've, you know, I've staked my, pinned my flag to the mast, as it were. I do believe the company is very undervalued. The reason for that, I don't know. I can't control the market. We are still, I guess, living in the shadow of, of what happened in the Bahamas. As I mentioned at the beginning, we drilled a well there. Uh, the day before that well was spud, this company had a market capitalization of approaching 200 million pounds. The well was drilled. It wasn't the commercial success. That's what happens in exploration. It's a high risk, high reward thing. And we saw a lot of value uh, wiped out of you know, the market price because of that. And to an extent, we're still saddled with that. Whenever I talk to people, they go, oh, yes, but the Bahamas isn't Uruguay, just a replay of the Bahamas. Uh, the answer is it's in one respect, it is a replay because it's a high impact, high, high risk, high reward offshore exploration play. In another respect, it's not a re replay because it's a completely different place. It's a completely different geological setting, different prospects, different structures, different market conditions, different you know, market environment. So, so, you know, and to your, to your question, what is it that will uh, see, uh, you know, that value gap close? I believe it's when Randy, myself and the rest of the team deliver the goods. Uh, you know, we've told people six months, well, we told people a year ago when the Namibian discoveries were made, this is going to be big. Nobody believed us. And bit by bit over the course of the year, when Shell entered uh, Uruguay, when Apache entered Uruguay, when YPF, when all these things have been happening, I think we've been validated. We've now, we then told everyone we're going to go and do technical work on an accelerated basis and we'll show you the results. Well, three weeks ago, we showed people the results. The results have been fantastic. And now we've told people we're going to get a farm out done by the end of the year. And, uh, and you know, when we deliver the goods and when we I, I have to believe that at some point in time, uh, as we continue to deliver the, the results and fulfill, you know, what we said we were going to do, that sooner or later the market will pay attention and, uh, and, we'll, and that value gap will start to close. So we're going to move on now to what I feel is probably one of the most important parts of, the, of this podcast, and it's what investors can look forward to over the, the next 12 months. It'll be a bit of a summary of some of the points that we've discussed so far, but you know, for people that are looking at Challenger, taking into consideration what, what you've said, of course, is one to two, you feel billion uh, barrels of oil there. But in terms of the news flow and, and what you can see on the horizon, what should people be looking out for? Well, it's as we've said, uh, you know, in, in Uruguay, you should look out in the very near term as we finish up our technical work that then as we move forward with a farm out process, uh, hopefully a concluded farm out deal before the end of the year. And that paves the way for 3D seismic acquisition uh, in 2024. Uh, in Trinidad, you know, continuing improvement in the, the base business performance. 
coupled with hopefully some business development and some portfolio rationalization. And if we can deliver all of those things, you, you'd have to imagine through the course of this year, you'll see an improving uh, share price. Uh, and, and also, you know, we're a, we're a small, nimble company. We got into Uruguay because we were small and nimble and able to act quickly. We're constantly on the lookout for new business opportunities and uh, ways to improve and grow the business. And so hopefully through the course of this year, we might see a bit of that as well. Fantastic. So just to finish off now, you, you've outlined what people can, can look forward to over the next year. So why, in, in, a, in a few sentences, should people look at Challenger right at this moment in time? Well, actually, I'm going to, Randy, I'll let you have a go and then I'll give my opinion on that. Yeah. Well, I think the, you know, very attractive, exciting opportunity for investors with respect to Challenger is that this is a world-class opportunity that we, we find ourselves, the company finds itself in. And it, like Aitan said, it's been validated by industry nearby. We continue to be impressed with the results that exceed expectations uh, from the data we've done thus far. And there's no reason to expect that, uh, you know, as we go forward, that won't continue. Yeah, and I, I would add to that. If you're a person who wants to invest in this sort of thing, um, the opportunity we have is the kind of high impact, globally relevant offshore exploration stuff that normally is the province of oil and gas majors. And you know, regular investors can't get access to it. We are the only way anyone can invest in the emerging Uruguay, Northern Argentina, um, you know, oil province. Uh, everything else is held by majors and national oil companies. So um, you know, we do offer, we think, a, a, um, an access, an investor access point to something that cannot be done any other way. And as we discussed earlier, I think we offer it at the moment on a, on a pretty undervalued basis uh, with a very clear six-month, 12-month outlook, uh, you know, and, and people can track it very simply, how we're making progress against those core objectives we set, and hopefully that's what delivers some value in the next little while. Thank you very much. So just as a quick note to listeners, if you want to find out more about the Challenger Energy Group, do check out the notes to this podcast and there'll be a link through to their website where you can click through, have a look at the, the recent news releases, as well as having a, a more detailed overview of the operations. So, Ethan and Randy, thank you very much. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. And Bye-bye. Thank you very much to everyone for listening. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember, all investment involves risk.